0: A live studio audience for today's recording. Um, no, we don't. Uh, that is a button that I pressed, uh, <laughs> and so uh, welcome to the Theology of Pieces podcast, where we hope to rebuild your theology that the church, the world, or somebody has shattered to pieces. And I am your host, Slim. And soon to be joined by my co-host Malcolm, uh, who is in route en route uh, to join us here for our wonderful, wonderful podcast uh, that uh, this episode I'm looking forward to. Um, but we do want to welcome you where we try to unravel the, the threads of faith and philosophy and spirituality to explore the, the intricate mosaic of beliefs that shape our world. And so we are excited uh, to talk to you today, uh, because today we are going to interview Grant Hartley. Uh, and we are going to declobber some passages of scripture. Uh, but before we declobber anything, um, y'all, today I'll, we're, we are going to get into some, some weight into some categories and some topics uh, that I, I just am in, in itching for us to, to, to get into. This is something that I personally have had to wrestle with. Um, I, I mentioned with some of y'all, one of the reasons we started this podcast um was not just to add another voice to the ether um but if you ask anybody what's one of the biggest failures of the church in the last fifty years uh it's it's a failure of discipleship you know we are uh we are dreadful at discipleship, and in one way, it's not the only way, but one way I think of discipleship um that we we could use. One way we we aim to use this medium, this podcast, is to walk through difficult subjects and help disciple folks and to rebuild something. I mean, after so much um, disentangling of our faith from uh, the systems of this world and deconstructing our faith from uh, what we feel like there's just been so much added to Scripture and so much added to what it means to be a Christian, um, after so much disentangling and deconstruction, we now want to say is like what what do we actually hold on to in the midst of this like what do we actually construct what do we actually can we actually believe in anything um and so that's our aim um is to to give us something something to hold on to and i realize for many of us that we're we're still weary um that you know if we can trust or believe anything and that's fine um if uh, if you are here and you're still just going, I don't know about anything. I don't I, having so many questions. Like, please, I love that you are here. I love that you're listening because what I believe is that there is n- like all truth is God's truth, and so there's no question uh, that is too big for God. Uh, and I I do believe we can bring all of our questions um, to Him and. Uh, To uh, this this god who's made you know stars and supernovas as well as um, you know belly buttons and things like this like there's we can bring it all Um, and so what I want you to hear from us today and from Grant who we get to talk with later it's not an apologetic to conform to but we just want to give you another way of seeing things Um, because we're going to be talking about you know difficult um, difficult topics this is not a a neutral topic, as everyone knows. We were in this series. Now we're trying to talk about uh, what does the Bible say about our sexuality, uh, and everyone has an opinion on this. Whether you um, actually think you don't have an opinion or not, I think we all actually have something in in us that believes one way, whether we know it or not. And I just want to remind us, like the way we began this pa- this, this this series, um, and that we want to encourage you to to do so today and for myself as well, is to lead with, I could be wrong. Um, I'm still saying that today, that I could be wrong, and I invite the opportunity to be wrong. And so instead of preaching to you my belief, uh, I want us all to come at this like scientists. You know, scientists, when they come to things, they're not, they're not coming to preach. A preacher is coming to, to persuade um, you have something. A scientist is going to explore. Now, maybe some scientists aren't, but you know, I think generally that field is supposed to. Um, scientists are more interested in discovering truth than being right. And <laughs> that feels very foreign to, I think, the rest of our, the realms that we live in. Um, and so let's all try to discover... Just This is a, a Ted Lasso quote. Let's be curious. Not judgmental, <laughs> you know. What is this going to say? And and I realize that as we look at some scripture passages, this will not probably convince anyone one way or the other. If you are already in one camp, you probably won't be persuaded to another camp. Um, so that's not our aim. Um, but we are trying to just give you another view of seeing this, a way of seeing this, uh, and so you might be able to go like, I can now understand how someone came to that uh, conclusion, and so that's what we're going to be doing today. I'm so excited. Cause I just, for me, um, kind of like we talked about, like when, after we shifted our view of women in leadership, I, I, I mean, even to do that, I had to wrestle with the scriptures. And so like, I love like all of the discussions surrounding, uh, how we, we elevate women in leadership. But for me, it was like, but I don't know what to do with these, these couple verses. And so similarly on this topic, I mean, I'm like, how do we, how do we think about this? How do we think about this? But like, at, at, at my root i'm like i gotta get into the word i gotta get into the to the meat and to go like what is this what is what does god have to say about this um does he have anything to say about this um and so that's where I, i'm so excited uh for us to 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 talk about but before we get there some of y'all are wondering did i make it out alive from my um quest to to jump out of an airplane and Yes, yes, I did. Um, I I turned 40 on Tuesday. Um, I did make it out alive. I did check this off a bucket list. Um, I've shared this with our church as well. Um, This was something, a promise I made to my 13-year-old self. And uh, when I turn 40, I will go skydiving. Oh, my goodness. I I already have reasons to doubt the... um, Reliability of my thirteen-year-old self, and now I have more reasons. Um, <laughs> the my thirteen-year-old self made a lot of bad decisions, um, and my parents can tell you about that. And I'm sad of all of the evidence that that is stacked against me. But this is just one more in the long line of lists of bad decisions I made at thirteen. Um, and goodness gracious, it was the scariest thing in the world. Uh, maybe we can post something on our uh, Instagram about it. Uh, this was jumping out of an airplane, like <laughs> getting getting into this tiny little, almost like a golf cart of an airplane that I mean, this is the smallest airplane I've been, ever been on. Um, and as we take off, like they don't even shut the door. Like they're you, you, we hop in and they, they go just like you would on like an, in, in a golf cart. Um, and <laughs> the, the door is up open a hundred, 150 feet off the ground. Then finally they're like, yeah, maybe, maybe, we'll, maybe now we'll, we'll close it. Um, and then they pop open the window and you, know, after if you've ever been on planes, you're like, oh, is this allowed? Like, <laughs> And so I'm just staring down at maybe like 300 feet now going like, if I fall from this height, I'm dead. And so I, oh man, I had, I had a little panic attack. It was, it was, it was nerve wracking. We get up to 11,000 feet and then he, you know, you strap to someone and then you jump out and I'm, oh my gosh, it was. I don't know if I enjoyed it. Um, I think I was just—it was just sheer pain the whole way down. (laughs) There, there was a moment where I was like, "Okay, this is gonna be great. This is gonna be great." Uh, But it's just, just Uh, fear—overwhelming fear of plummeting to the earth. And then I also—I hate getting um, dizzy. So, like, like the teacups uh, at Disney Um, also get me Disney uh, dizzy, Uh, and so that. Uh, and when the parachute came out, um, even then when you think now I'm safe and I, I had a little you know, moment where I felt like that, but then the guide started doing tricks, um, with me strapped to him. And so we were, now we're doing spins in the air and I'm like, I'm going to throw up oh, everywhere. So, um, it was, <laughs> it wasn't the best. Uh, it was, <laughs> I'm really glad I did it. I'm glad it's on my, off my bucket list. I'm glad I committed to it, but that was rough. Uh, that was hard. That was really hard. Um, so, all right. Uh, this next time, next thing we get to talk about here is, uh, normally we we jump into a little time for terrible tweets. But today, um, we are going to combine our terrible tweets uh, along with our thank you for writing in to hello at com. So thank you for writing at hello at We We encourage you to do so. Um, but we also want to say we got some thing we got some room to grow. Um we have we had uh, someone who wrote in uh and uh, I I'll, I'll read this. Uh not in its entirety, but uh here we go. This is this is from one of you dear listeners. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for writing in. He says, "Hey guys, I was listening to your podcast and y'all uh happened to bring up the sound of freedom in your discussion on horrible tweets. Um Slim ended the segment in saying it was based on a QAnon's conspiracies. Uh, this breaks my heart, guys. Tim Ballard's Operation Underground Railroad has been fighting to end child trafficking since 2013. Work on the movie script started in 2015. QAnon wasn't even a thing until October of 2017. Please don't dismiss something that sheds light on one of the most evil practices in our world because the media shouting Orange Man Bad wants to protect Team Blue from conspiracy theories by linking it to the Cheeto Jesus saves crap. Y'all are all about justice and tell others to fight for the poor, the widow, the orphan, the makers of the sound of freedom, want to end trafficking by bringing awareness through the most powerful medium of our age. Don't dismiss their work because people you agree or disagree with try to politicize it to protect their political idols. This movie doesn't even bring up politics and the people of God should champion a righteous cause. So one, oh my goodness. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for just listening to Uh, The podcast. And then also, I hope we get interactions like this. Like, I hope we can have more back and forth uh, through this medium because otherwise, as I said earlier, we are just speaking into the ether and. No one wants that. That stinks. That's that's not that's not. I, I we want. Everyone longs for community. We want some feedback and some some back and forth. Because guess what? I could be wrong, as I said earlier, and I'll admit I was wrong. Let let me let me begin with what I what I found incredibly helpful from uh, this this pushback and this critique. Um, first. Y'all, I, I have not seen the movie, and I completely disregarded it. I, I wrote it off without ever having given it the time of day to investigate it. And and you know, y'all, I would I would hate it if someone um, said something um, something so negative about our church without ever having stepped foot in it. In fact, people have, <laughs> right? Um, it, and it's infuriating uh, when you hear things like that. You're like, you don't know us. How can you say something like that? Um, And so, you know, I I completely own that. Um, I I, I have not seen the movie, and so uh, it it was wrong for me to just completely disregard it like that. And so for that, I am sorry. Um, And also, I I believe this dear writer is correct in that I was very dismissive of the entire project. Like, uh, what if they are doing good and beautiful work? Like, I didn't even give the topic of the conversation any positive argument for folks working to end sex trafficking. Like. When we realize, I mean, just when we realize that the porn industry is almost entirely fed off of folks being groomed into this, like it should disgust us. That almost everyone we know is struggling or has struggled with uh, this, uh, with this industry, and so that we also all participate this, participate in this in some way, uh, creating demand for it. And so we should not dismiss works to dismantle injustices like this. But we should be collaborators and, and, and ch- champions and cheerleaders of works that are bringing an end to such evils. And so, amen, man. Thank you for that. Um, and, and, and lastly, I, I was fast and loose uh, with my characterization that it's based on you know QAnon conspiracy theories, and I should have been more careful with my wording. So again, dear, dear uh, listener and writer in, um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, these are the types of conversations that we should all be having. Um, uh, cause this is iron sharpening iron. It's making us, you know, grow and be better. Um, but I want to also offer, can I give a little pushback to you as well? Um, cause, and so this is not a justification for what I did. And again, I just, what I admit I was wrong and I, and I do need to be better. Um, but I, I also think since we're talking about this, that the level at which we defend Tim Ballard and the Operation Underground needs to at least consider some of the recent findings and events that have happened. Like, disclaimer, I don't know all that's happened. Investigations are underway. But there are two very serious issues that you, we have to at least consider and one smaller one. The, the first one, Tim Ballard... The, the leader of Operation Underground, ha- has recently exited Operation Underground this year after investigations into claims of sexual misconduct involving him and seven, at least seven women. And the, 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 the counts are, are actually going to be a lot more than that. Um, and so what would happen at least some of these claims are that because he has invited women to come with him to act as his wife on these undercover overseas missions, uh, you know, ostensibly aimed at rescuing victims of sex trafficking. He would then allegedly coerce those women into sharing a bed or showering together and claim that it was necessary to fool traffickers. And so <clears throat> you can just see the, how, how wrong and gross it is um, that the person who's who's working towards um, ending some of this you know, this sex trade, the sex trafficking, is also now being accused of this. Um, and so the these methods weren't just with with some of these women; they were also been been named by some from former volunteers and employees of Operation Underground Railroad. And you go, okay, now maybe they're just disgruntled. But now Operation Underground uh, Railroad has officially said st- on their statement uh, on June twenty second. That Tim is now permanently separated from Operation Underground Railroad, um, and that said, it was ultimately revealed through disturbingly specific and parallel accounts that Tim has been deceitfully and extensively grooming and manipulating multiple women for the past few years, um, and the ultimate intent of the course in them to participate in sexual acts um, under the, undergoing the premise of what it takes, you know, where it takes and doing whatever it takes to save a child. And so if this is true, again, disclaimer, if this is true, but there's a lot of reports here, and who knows if it is, but if it is, then I would say that the same righteous anger that burns to end sex trafficking because of its abuse of women ought to be matched by a zeal for justice against this man. And so we have to at least consider this. And so that's the first one. The second thing is, Days after sound of the sound of freedom was released, uh, there was there was lots of investigations into how um, Ballard has a history of self mythologizing and embellishing his exploits while there uh, you know spent years making big un uh, unprovable claims about the paramilitary operations and missions of rescuing these kids and so there's there's a lot of there's a lot of concerns over how impactful this operation actually is. Um, and some of these things might have been embellished and, and, and made um, into, you know, in, into a movie. And so these are things that I just say we have to consider, and it's not just empty claims. There's, there's people within the organization's volunteers who would have said things like this, um, who said, and it's also possible that the operation is creating demand for trafficking victims by going to foreign countries on undercover missions. Um, and walking around bars and sex clubs asking for underage girls. And so this is, all of this is to say, oh my goodness, this is, this is a mess. Uh, but the last, and I would say this is the smaller point, uh, this may not be a QAnon conspiracy theory, but sadly, The Sound of Freedom cast, um, uh, The Sound of Freedom people had cast Jim Caviezel to portray Ballard. And Jim is an openly supported QAnon conspiracy theorist uh, who's, Who's promoted baseless conspiracy theories of shadowy international cabals uh, of top Democrat politicians? Um, you know, kidnapping children and, and force them into sex trafficking, and also eating and drinking their blood. Like it's also he's he's got some uh, they they cast him, and then Ballard himself has also voiced some support for some QAnon conspiracies. And so there's it's not a a completely baseless claim to say that they're they're. Rubbing shoulders with some of these folks, and so we need to be careful. Um, so all I have to say is there's so much to wade through. I don't think we should paint it all bad nor defend it as untouchable. There's just a lot to consider here, but I I want to bring this forward for one just I want to, as this, as an example, thank you for writing in. Like, this is the the back and forth that I think we as all should have of iron sharpening iron of, of of being a community. This is the type of stuff that we all do. That my wife will call me out on stuff, and I barely call her out on stuff because she's perfect and awesome. But maybe maybe call it out my kids. Um, and so again, just want to say thank you for writing in and give a, a quick response to all that. All right. Um, well, wherever you're at, I want you to stop what you're doing because if you were not ready. For a podcast, um, no, not a podcast. <laughs> you're listening to one. If you were not ready for a Bible study, then I suggest you pause this podcast because this, the rest of this podcast, is not one that you just drive in your car listening to. No, 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 no. no. Uh, that's 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 for other people. Uh, th- what we're going to embark upon, this is one that you're. It's going to require you to carve out some time to grab a Bible. Uh, to grab your your pen or whatever note taking device you may have, and I won't. We're gonna jump into a Bible study, and I, I'm so excited because we're gonna go in depth with you on this all important topic, and finally study together um, these these clobber passages with our friend Grant Hartley. And you might ask, what is a clobber passage? Um, why are they called clobber passage? Well, sadly, because the church. Loves to use the word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what we have to stand on. But it—it's also been the, the word of God has, has been known to become a sword to bludgeon instead of a scalpel to make incisions. A sword would be used to hurt or to inflict pain. A scalpel is used primarily to heal. And so if you need to put a pacemaker in your heart, you need a scalpel to open it up. To put it in your chest, to insert the pacemaker, then stitch it shut, right? The goal is healing. And that's how scripture ought to be used. And so I hate that we call these the clobber passages because I believe that all scripture is God's word and his word does not intend to clobber. But there are those who have used it this way. And so we still call them the clobber passages because that's what they've been used as. That's what they've been referred to. And so will you join me as we talk with Grant Hartley to declobber some passages of Scripture? All right, we are back now. Uh, We are... At Full Force, uh, we began podcast with, with just myself, but Malcolm is now finally here. I'm here. After having I'm some here. serious car issues. I'm here.
1: No every, serious car issues. Nothing, every,
0: nothing's been diagnosed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're checking it out. I could find out during this podcast that, there's ridic- that, 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 I,
0: that the is going to explode or whatever. Oh, okay. But as,
1: as of now, everything's fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and in case you're wondering, Malcolm has named his car... Storm. Storm <laughs> is her name. From, from X-Men? <laughs> uh so it's really it's really
1: i think the oh
0: don't pop my bubble i thought this was from x-men
1: well okay now i have to remember the origin uh (laughs) the origin story because i I, i'm pretty sure it's like the color because it's a it's a blue color but i forgot the like the way that it was advertised had something with storm
0: in the name. So i was like let me just call just call my car storm okay well i i'm going with storm from x-men great you can do Uh, that so it's not really blue. It's kind of the purplish. Right? I'm also partially colorblind. Uh, we are diving yeah, into it's, most it's, unimportant it's things blue. right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> we are joined here, just waiting patiently <laughs> by Grant Hartley, who is a <laughs> theology student, a speaker. Uh, I've heard great, you know great things about uh, your speaking ability. Uh, freelance writer living oh, near wow. St. Louis. Uh, You grew up a Southern Baptist, spent several years working in the evangelical campus ministry before pursuing a theological education, and eventually entering the Roman Catholic Church uh, a few years ago. Mm -hmm. He co-hosts the the Life on Side B podcast, which is fantastic. Highly recommend. We'll make sure we put uh, a link there in our show notes, uh, which facilitates Mm -hmm. conversations among Side B LGBTQ plus Christians. Uh, Christian sexual and gender minorities who submit to what is often called a traditional sexual ethic on the topics of faith, culture, sexuality, and gender. Um, so, what, Grant, welcome. Thanks.
2: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I also want to say that uh, my car is named Hubert. Nice, uh, because my great grandfather. Uh, was a uh, Buick man uh, and trash talked Ford. And so I got a, a Buick and so we've, we've named <laughs> him Hubert. <laughs> that
0: nice. Amazing. How many of y'all listeners name your car? Um, that's a, that's a, that's a good question. Would you write in and tell us? If that's like a, a common thing,
1: if anybody's got cool got cool car names, <laughs> let us let us know. Um, and and Grant, I so 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 you and I were able to connect. I think this was a few years ago. Um, you wrote a really really thoughtful a uh, really thoughtful piece responding to the PCA's ad interim r- r- report on sexuality. Um, and, and I, uh, enjoyed that and have enjoyed some of the other things that you've written too. So, so thank you. So thank you for that, for that work. Uh, and looking forward to uh, looking, looking forward to this conversation that we'll have today about the, about the scriptures.
2: Definitely. Gosh, my head is going to get so big. My hats aren't
0: going to fit in. so much. I'm glad to be here. Uh, I did not give you this this question. This is more just uh we Uh-oh. we, we got to get we got to get personal before we, <laughs> oh, we jump in. Okay. Um we asked this uh last time of uh of Nate. Uh what what is a favorite cartoon or um TV show? I guess a cartoon or video game. Is um, a video game, yeah. Cartoon. Growing game. up uh for you. Um I
2: was uh... I really liked Fairly Odd Parents growing up.
0: Okay, nice. um, classic. Because it,
2: it's like it's like joke after joke after joke, and then like uh, there's a handful of jokes that are just for the parents, uh-huh. not uh-huh. for the kids at all. <laughs> so like, so you get you get to appreciate it more as you get older. So that's, good. that's um, good. Yeah, that was Fairly Odd Parents was was one I really enjoyed.
0: That's great. It's classic. That's great. Classic. I feel like Pixar does that well, or right? it's just. Like it's for kids, but we got quite a bit of stuff for parents. I mean, when I, I, yeah. when I was,
1: when I was a kid, I mean, I, I love SpongeBob, and my parents did not let me watch it for the longest time, and I, I didn't, I didn't exactly know why, <laughs> and then as <laughs> I. As I watch it now, it's it's the it's the same kind of dynamic where there's where there's stuff for the kids and then there's also stuff that would go way over your head when you're eight years old. Um mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. hilarious. Yeah.
0: Some of that you're like, okay, is this really for kids? <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um well uh Grant, how long have you been uh uh open about talking about this topic that we are we are engaging on today personally? Uh, and how did that come about for you?
2: Yeah, I think uh like a lot of gay, lesbian, bi, same-sex attracted folks. um, This conversation sort of uh, came to me without my seeking it out. Um, These were the kind of verses that were most often cited in reference um, to LGBTQ people. And so I sort of felt felt it necessary uh, to look into them myself. Um, and then as I became more open, I I thought I needed to have a kind of rationale for how to to think through some of these passages. So it's sort of been from the beginning of my, my, uh, faith, my journey of
0: reconciling faith and sexuality. Mm. Yeah. And and for um, I, I spoke a little bit about this before we have everyone here joining us on on, on this. But um, for our listeners who may not be familiar, uh, could you explain what it, what clobber passages um, are and why we call it that, or why some yeah, people why I'm some people sure call them the, that? Thank you, thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. some people. <laughs> I'm
2: not sure where the phrase comes from. Um, I'm, I think it was um, a book many decades ago, sort of examining. A handful of passages that talk um, about same-sex sexual activity um, or, or presumably uh, talk about same-sex sexual activity. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, there's Sodom and Gomorrah, there's uh, vice lists in 1 Corinthians and 1 Timothy, beginning of Romans, some of Levitical law code. Um, sometimes Jude uh, is brought in as well. Mm. But um, yeah, that's why they're called that. They're the, the passages that are used as often as weapons against mm-hmm. lgbtq
0: people. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah, well, I really appreciate you uh, coming on here and uh the 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 hope for this particular conversation is to kind of walk and wade through these uh these passages and so as I told some uh folks earlier, uh that we're we're about to enter into a bible study. Uh this dun, is dun, dun. this is uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, dun, dun, dun. I personally um you know, I I love listening to podcasts in the car while working out or wherever. Uh, we want you to pull over, <laughs> get you know, start taking notes, <laughs> start, the Bible. Yeah, start yeah, start cross referencing all of that. Uh, we really do want this to be something that's really like meaty uh, and a ability to to chew on um, these verses because I think, as you said, these these verses are so critical. And there's there's typically there's about six or so um, that people. Yeah. Usually, point to, and we're gonna try to look at each of those. And, um, and I want us to to declobber them, um, to, to take some of the the fangs out that 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 they might have, but also to to wrestle, you know, what does it actually say here? Um, and so, absolutely, um, I would love to get more personal with you and, and go deeper on some of those other things, but I, I, we are like, what, we'll, get there. We'll, we'll get there, we'll get there, we'll, we'll get there. See what we're, we're excited to, to jump into scripture, yeah, it'll with all
2: you. come out, yeah, yeah. yeah, in the conversation, it'll all come
0: out, yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, so uh, the, the the six passages uh, that we're going to look at, um, we're going to look at Genesis 19. Um, we're going to look at Leviticus 18, 22, uh, and chapter 20, 13. We're going to look at Romans 1, 26 to 27. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 1 Timothy 1, 10 um, are kind of the the main um, passages that people point to. And so uh, if you want to write those down, hit stop, rewind, go back to those, but we're going to walk through them here, uh, you know, chapter or verse, verse by verse and kind of walk, walk through those here. Um, And so um, Grant, what would you say uh, Genesis 19 has to say regarding uh, the conversation on LGBTQ plus?
2: Yeah. um, Well, this is going to sound really strange, but <laughs> um, through my study and reflection on the story of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, which I think needs to be read in context with the previous chapter uh, and Abraham's hospitality toward the angelic visitors, mm. uh, I actually really, I'm a kind of fond of, of the story. I think yeah. it has some really uh, interesting critiques to make. Um, But I mean, the shorter short answer is I don't think it says much about same sex sexual activity at all. Um, I think uh, the the presence of same-sex sexual activity in the story is incidental. Mm. Uh, the story doesn't actually address the morality of same-sex sex. So that's, that's the short answer, but I don't know if you have any specific questions of sort of how that plays out.
0: Yeah. And yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Which is so that that's so, that's so fascinating grant, especially because
1: uh, especially because the hit, the, the pop, the, the history of popular interpretation of that, of that verse Seems to suggest to everybody that that's what the whole thing is about. I mean, the very language. Mm-hmm. I mean, the yeah. very language of "quote unquote" sodomy comes from a particular, particular understanding of what's going on. Of what's going on in that in that text. Um, so it seems to be that what you're suggesting is that entire popular that 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 entire that entire kind of popular strain of 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 interpretation seems to be wrong. Could <laughs> you could you give us some? Uh, yeah. It's it. it and, well, and and I know, and you'll you'll say this too. It would. It's also like the rest of the scriptures seem to tell us that that particular popular well, <laughs> expression is is wrong. But I Grant, want you to go into go into go into a little more go into, go into a little more detail on that. Why? Grant, How? What gives you the confidence to make that to make that kind of to make that kind of claim?
0: <laughs> but before you answer, Grant Malcolm, will you give a a, a one minute overview of genesis 19 so sure if people what, don't know what we're what's talking about, happening yeah yeah yeah, yeah. let's okay. say they didn't pull the car yeah, over. yeah
1: yeah yeah let's say you let's say you didn't pull these let's say you didn't pull the pull the pull the car, car over so um so some so some visitors uh come to come to uh come to sodom lots 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 there uh they tell i'm pretty sure pretty sure they tell they tell a lot hey we'll like we'll just We'll just stay outside for the night, and Lot's like, "No, you really don't want to do that." <laughs> yeah, let us let not let us not do that. Why don't you Why don't you come home? Why don't you come home with me? And so, and and he, uh, and it's and it's interesting. This is uh, and 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 Greg, you may say something about this later, but uh, when 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 the text describes kind of what Lot offers them food wise, it seems. Uh, more, mm-hmm. more, more meager than what Abraham offers offers them in the uh, 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 mm-hmm. uh, in the in the chapter prior, yeah. but offers them that, and then and then I think it's 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 later in the night. All like all of the men of the town come to the come to the house and are like, "Hey, mm-hmm. we saw we saw you had these we saw, we saw you had these visitors. Bring them out so that we may know so that we may know them." Um and Lot's like no don't 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 mess with them but I've got I've got daughters you can you can you can you can have, <laughs> yeah. you can have them yeah. which is like it's a it's we a that. he that's that's what he says um and mm-hmm. then um but but as a but as a result of that exchange um these 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 angelic visitors tell Lot and his family look uh Sod- Sodom and Gomorrah are about to get destroyed so y'all better so y'all so y'all better roll out mm-hmm. um but um. But yeah, but the but the but the broad conversation is is around well, like why why are Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed? Um, and good. and the popular and 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 as I was saying before, kind of the popular understanding is um, is that it's because of it's because of same sex sexual activity. But but as Grant I think has 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 helpfully has helpfully uh, begun begun to make the argument that, that may not actually be. That's not, the, that's not the primary focus of, of, that, of that text, uh, perhaps at all. But if, if that's not it, what's,
2: what's going on, Grant? Yeah, I think um, there's a couple flaws with the argument that the passage is about. It's primarily about same-sex sex. Um, so one of them is that every single person in the city comes to, to, to Lot's door. Um, every single man, young and old is what mm-hmm. it says. Um, I don't think there's ever in the history of the world been a, an entirely gay city. Um, there's been a few contenders, I guess, um, Fire Island, maybe, um, but it doesn't seem likely um, mm, fair. Mm. that it's a whole bunch of gay people. Um, so yeah. if, if it's not a whole bunch of gay people, mm. why are they mm. wanting to quote unquote, know these angelic visitors? Mm. Um, the word no, I see it pretty clearly as, uh, as a euphemism for wanting to have sex with them. Mm-hmm. Um, some people have made arguments that they just wanted to know who was visiting their town. Um, but I, I really don't think that's the case at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it just doesn't make sense of the passage for me. But yeah. there is some interesting, um, interesting back and forth. Uh, with the the mob and lot, mm-hmm. and the mob, um, in in the heat of an argument, says, uh, "You came here as an alien," um, and so you start to wonder if maybe some of the rationale, some of the reason why they're they're so threatened by lot, or so angry with lot, is that he's a foreigner, mm-hmm. uh, and then he's brought more foreigners into the city, mm. um, and so. It seems to me pretty clear that that what's in view is not I don't know, wanting to have sex with the angels, but is wanting to brutalize them, to rape them. Mm. Um, so I I've I've said this. I don't know where I got this. Someone else said it before me. Um, so citation is needed, but I forgot who said it. Um, if someone yells out to you "f you," you don't think that they want to buy you dinner. You know, like they, mm. they're not they're not interested in wooing you (laughs) they're interested in humiliating you right so that's that's what i think is sort of going on in this passage and especially Mm -hmm. if you look at it in light of um the hospitality that abraham shows the angelic visitors in the previous passage Mm. um one of the one of the interesting um bits of interesting details is yeah lots feast for for the angelic visitors is unleavened bread Abraham, meanwhile, had all sorts of cakes and cheese and, mm. and meat. and um, I think it's, um, maybe I've, I've stepped back a little bit, and I don't think it's necessarily indicative that he's not trying to be a good host, um, or he's not trying hard enough. I think the angels came late at night, and it was probably a quick meal. But it is interesting that, mm. that lots, um, lot's hospitality is kind of implicitly contrasted with Abraham's hospitality.
3: Mm. Yeah.
2: Um, and, then, and then he sort of utterly fails as a father in offering his daughters to the mob, um, which I think that is also an act of inhospitality. Um, mm. uh, yeah. So yeah. I think inhospitality is a, a big theme there. Um, something else I've, I've reflected on, I've read several commentaries um, on this passage, but some of them make, make much of this idea of the door Mm -hmm. Um, being uh, the site of uh, the threat of violence Mm -hmm. for for the mob. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of, it becomes an image that implies rape again. Mm -hmm. Like the mob is sort of banging against the door and lot has it closed. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I I don't see consensual same sex sex there at all. I don't see any gay people there.
3: Yeah. Um,
2: And that's, that's sort of what later scripture says um i think ezekiel 16 yeah. to 50 he says this is why Sodom was destroyed isn't that helpful <laughs> right?
1: says, gotta, gotta love
2: it when the scripture the answers
0: our questions for us <laughs> and, and why is that what did ezekiel <laughs> is 16 reason, say actually. what was the what was it uh, ezekiel
2: 16 Ezekiel 16, 49 to 50. She and her daughters had pride, excess of food, and prosperous ease, but did not aid the poor and needy. Mm. They were haughty and did abominable things before me. Therefore, I removed them when I saw it. Um, Wow. Yeah, so I I think that fits with a a mob coming to threaten to rape um, guests, honored guests. So that's that's sort of my take. I also think that... um, if you look at the passage now, people are probably wondering why I like this passage so much. Um, so,
3: um,
2: I think that the angels, which is sort of how God is acting in the story, these angelic visitors, mm. um, when the mob comes, the angels drag lot out of the city. Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, he seems maddeningly ambivalent about leaving. Mm. Um, <laughs> And there's actually another interesting parallel. You know, Abraham hmm. bargains bargains with the angels to to try and spare Sodom and Gomorrah.
3: Hmm.
2: Um, like, would you, would you destroy the city if there were 40 righteous? Okay, mm. what about 30? Yeah. What about 20? 20. <laughs> it just, like, keeps going down. And Lot makes a similar bargain with the angels. But the bargain is after the, the angels have dragged him out and said, okay, flee for the hills. Hmm. He says, okay, can I can I go to this small city uh, that's nearby instead? <laughs> and they're like, fine, <laughs> fine, <laughs> go ahead. So it's another parallel between, between Lot and Abraham. Yeah. Um, yes. So yeah, I think, I think in hospitality and refusing to care for yeah. uh, the poor and the needy, it's not just a, a, an imposition on the text. Um, I think that's, that's the feeling that some more conservative um, thinkers uh, come away with when they hear more progressive thinkers talk about how this passage isn't about same-sex sex. They think, oh, that they're letting these, these cultural values, these social justice values, override the real meaning of the text. But I think if you look at the, the text um, really closely, you'll see it all there. Right. Um, So it's really unfortunate that that Sodom has been linked with a certain kind of sex act. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because it's just, and, and then, and it's extra, it's extra frustrating when, when people make an argument about what Sodom and Gabor means based on
0: the word (laughs) sodomy,
2: which is getting everything backwards. Right. Right. Yep. (laughs) Later connection. Yes.
0: yeah, and I, I almost hesitated yes. to put this passage in our discussion because it's it's so clearly not a, a part of this discussion. But because people have included uh. it so often, uh, it feels like we need to at least discuss it to to debunk it, to declobber it, um, because the emphasis yeah. is so clearly on violent humiliation, uh, not sexual intimacy or pleasure. Um, the the men of Sodom wish to brutalize the angels, not seduce them. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, as we said, Lot not only struggles to be hospital for his guests, he fails to make his own house safe for his own children. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's, it's a passage clearly about rape and hospitality. Um, and Ezekiel, yeah. as you mentioned, makes that Abundantly clear, and so if we are wondering if we're, as you said, going along with the culture, we'll, we're going along with Ezekiel.:
1: <laughs> And yeah and uh and briefly, if you want, comment on uh, on why people like to try to bring Jude into this Jude into this passage. Oh, yeah. too too. Mm. Um, so yeah. yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead.
2: yeah i've I've heard um, so I, I had written an article about Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, and sort of shared a lot of what I shared um with you now um and when that was when i tweeted that i, I tweeted it several times i don't know why this is the one that <laughs> i don't know why um, ended up blowing up but it was wild yeah. for days yeah. <laughs> it was waves of of replies but mm. several people quoted jude um where it says and let me find it uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which in the same manner as they indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural lust, served as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. And so they zero in on this um, unnatural lust. Mm. Uh, The problem is unnatural lust is a translation of a phrase that isn't, doesn't, doesn't seem as connected to same-sex sex mm-hmm. as a natural lust a does. It's Sarkos, heteros, going after strange flesh, mm-hmm. other flesh. Um, heteros is where we get the word heterosexuality, actually. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Jude is really um, interested in the, the unnatural sexual relationship between human beings and angels. Um, the whole beginning of of the letter of Jude is, is about um, angels who do really awful things mm-hmm. uh, who deserve to be punished. And so that's sort of his. And that's really a whole other Bible study. Huh? That <laughs> <he's>, <laughs> like, how do yeah, we could that talk possible. about the Nephilim? Was, how that about possible?
1: There's a of stuff that we could talk about. Anyway, that's what I like, But. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to the next sure. time. but that's that that is that is that is helpful that is helpful grant yeah. and i and, and yeah. i think and i think good uh good good context for us to for us to think through yeah. particularly these texts. yeah
2: yeah i mean to be clear there's there is another word um i think it's pornea mm-hmm. um in in jude and that is a really broad term mm-hmm. so i suppose the author of jude could have could have had same-sex sex in mind when he said porneia but something else he could have had in mind is rape yep <laughs> uh and that seems to be the main the main focus of the passage you yeah. so know I, I find um, the citation of jude to be pretty pretty unconvincing as well
0: yeah that's good that's good good deal all right dear uh bible study listener um Turn in your Bibles uh, mm-hmm. to Leviticus, uh, everyone's favorite book of the Bible, uh, the one you, you meditate yeah. on late at night uh, and quote to your children um, all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leviticus 18.22. Uh, I'll read it to you all and um, get Grant's uh, response, uh, reaction to it. Um, Leviticus 18.22 says, Do not have sexual relations with a man as one does with a woman. That is detestable. Um, other translations use the, the word abomination. Um, what, um, how, how, do you, how do you respond to, to this verse? Does this one, uh, is it like the, the Genesis 19 one, or um, would you see it differently?
2: Yeah, I think um, this, this, this passage and the one later in, in Leviticus 20 seem a lot more unqualified um in their um, in their prohibition of same sex sex, and they seem to be a lot more directly <laughs> directly involved with the question of same sex sex than mm. than genesis nineteen so I think it's it's a very different kind of conversation. Um, I think one of the things that often comes up in this conversation is the word abomination,
3: yeah yeah um
2: and some people think that the word abomination uh, is used to to, to say that same-sex sex is somehow uniquely mm. abhorrent, mm. uniquely detestable. Um, but that word isn't used just about super, super detestable things. Right. It's actually, it's got a wide semantic range. I think, I think shellfish are detestable, if I'm not mistaken. A um, few so, other things, but so, shellfish, shellfish is I one know. of them. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Plenty yeah. plenty of things are abominations so I don't think.
0: Yeah, the the Hebrew uh, word there is it's toava, especially um, unique. And, and so mm-hmm. that and it refers to any of these cultural taboos. Um, um you know so to not follow these these practices like the other nations. Um and so Leviticus is all about what makes you clean before the Lord. Um and so if I were coming at this from a more affirming side, my my objection to this might be um how is this different than some of the other things? Like you just said, like shellfish. Um and it's only uh something that's specifically applied to Israel to make Israel unique. Um, um it's it's a way to set them apart. Um, or you know, like mixing types of seeds when planting in the ground was uh one of one of the, the laws. Um to, to, to not to even eat uh, with outsiders, um, um, you know, things like this or mixing your clothing. Tova has, is very far-reaching. So to, to your, your point, uh, it is not a word that's meant to evoke subhuman or vile or anything like that. And I think it's a shame that we, we go there. We need to make sure we affirm the Imago Dei dignity in this regard. But then what does that mean for us?
2: Yeah, I think um Looking at the immediate context of the verses, uh, it sexual sins seem to be like um, what the author is sort of grouping all these things together with the unifying theme of sexual sins. Um, so um, adultery is is in the verse one of the verses previously, <laughs> child sacrifice is one of them. so i'm I'm sure there might be a connection to sort of sexual sin there that I'm just not aware of, but it's bad. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Festiality is also a part of this, and later in um, in chapter twenty, there's all sorts of sexual ascents there as well. So I, I think this is it isn't as easy to say like, oh, well, this is just a cultural taboo. It's just like the shellfish thing because they're grouped together for a specific reason, um, and I think yeah. the reason is the author sees them as as related in some way. Mm. Yeah, but. Um, I do think um, this was pointed out to me by a friend and by um by some of the, the readings I've done, but uh in the background of this passage yeah. uh throughout the ancient world is a cultural assumption that um to be penetrated sexually is to be socially demoted.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And one should only penetrate one's inferiors. Um, so this says a lot about how the ancient world viewed women. I'm, I'm not endorsing this logical sale, but, yep. yeah. uh, if that's the idea of this behind this passage, you can sort of see why this prohibition on same sex sex is not just a matter of sexual sin proper, but also in the mind of the author, a matter of justice, mm. um, because yeah. a man having sex with another man. One of them would be penetrated and therefore socially demoted. This would be an injustice against one's neighbor. Mm. Um, so that's I think some of the rationale mm. behind behind mm-hmm. these statements. Um, I also think um, <laughs> this is not an interpretation, so much as registering my own, my own emotional response. Mm. Um, Leviticus 20 2013 really troubles me mm-hmm.
3: uh
2: because there are there are laws on the books in the modern world
3: yeah yeah <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: where people who have same have same sex sex like they they are killed or they yeah. are jailed for the rest of their life and yeah. so I don't we, we know, read that, we do we that too like, uh yeah Leviticus twenty thirteen if a man lies the man lies with the males with the woman. Both of them have committed an abomination. They shall be put to death and their blood guilt is upon them.
3: Mm, yeah.
2: um, I think of some, um, I forgot which nation. Um, I think it's Uganda.
3: Yep. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm.
2: Where there are, there are laws like this on the books. And in some ways it's actually supported by the Christian presence in Uganda, mm-hmm, yeah. um, which I think is especially important. Um, Especially frightening. Yeah. But yeah, whatever we do with those passages, I think we have to to wrestle with that. I, I, I don't think I don't think we should put people who have same sex sex to death. Right. No. Actually. Yeah. Nope. Yeah.
1: And so. and paired and paired with that, I mean paired with that, Grant, in the in the verses immediately immediately prior, uh, if there are in, in cases of adultery, both 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 parties are to be put to death in cases of you cursing your father or mother yeah. you're to be you're to be put to death. There's a there is yeah. a even e- even in thinking of these things and the ways that people look to instantiate them in state in state context. There is this there is this very selective vision of well like which of these things are we going to really advocate for and then say, well look, they're in the Bible too. So let's mm-hmm. do them. But but the but the but this but this goes back to I mean, I think one of the one of the really lamentable Things about the way that, whether it's the language of abomination or whatever, there's been there's just particularly historically there's just apparently this desire to just single out this just 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 to single out these these particular passages as well. These are people that we need to basically these are people that we need to go after Mm. and build structures Mm -hmm. and build and build structures to in some in in some cases as you just named like to actually kill like to actually kill people like that's a that Mm. is that's a I mean I mean that that's 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 one of I think some of the some of the most disturbing elements of the ways in which people have have attempted to use some of these to use some of these yeah. texts. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think a few years ago, um, one of my friends posted um, uh, an open letter about LGBTQ issues mm-hmm. in the ACNA Anglican Church in North America. Um, And it was, he was, he's a a theological conservative. He happens to be gay. He was basically talking about including gay people in the life of the church, not, not, um, sacrificing a sort of a traditional perspective on, on sexuality. But some of the response from certain bishops, um, I don't want to name the country because I've forgotten which one. And I don't want to pin this on any country that I'm not absolutely sure. But one of the one of the lines from, from a response from one of these bishops compared uh, gay people, no, homosexuality, and maybe gay people, I don't know, to a yeast that needs to be excised from the body of Christ,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and like drawing on this like drawing mm-hmm. on this New Testament language of yeast, which wow. is mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's an image that's used a lot of different ways, and some of them are positive actually, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the kind of wow. way that that rhetoric goes. It just ends up it ends up killing people. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the one of the insights that I learned from uh, A.J. Levine, she's a, a mm. Jewish uh, New Testament scholar, um, and I was on a panel with her um, this past summer um, at Outreach uh, LGBTQ Catholic Conference, um, and she said and this is maybe a, a, an insight that I could not have come to because I'm not Jewish, hmm. but she said, there's, there's a lot of, um, this might be a hyperbole, like uh, the idea of like, you should, you should be put to death. is just a way of saying you really shouldn't do this thing. Just don't do it. Hmm. Um, and I think, I think there's merit to that um, because I, I can't see um, <laughs> I can't see the justice in having a child who talks back to their parents killed. Uh, but yeah. So I think that's the way I, I sort of currently rationalize it as I mm-hmm. think this is just a way of saying, really don't do those things.
3: Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Um, and we don't know how, how much the, this uh, sort of death penalty was actually done. Right. Um, so yeah. that's, that's sort of where I come to with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yep. And I, that that's good i mean um i think both these leviticus passages um bring up the question that i kind of hinted at earlier of especially when we talk about like the repercussions if you do um transgress these um things so it's very clear that the lord says to not do these things um but what happens if you do that you know there is a um you know it's a be put to death if you talk and curse your mom and dad um so things like this do not persist today. We don't support that, um, nor do we do it with LGBTQ uh, plus um, issues as well. So then the question then begs is, you know, so then what is, which laws do we continue to uphold and which are more just uh, for Israel? Because it seems like um, now we're just picking and choosing which ones we want to um, continue to keep and which ones we don't. and that's where I think that 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 is a I think it's a fair like I, I understand the argument I'm like that, that yeah that 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 seems yeah. compelling um but one one thing that someone um reached you know had had said to me about this when I was kind of asking these questions is I mean if you do look at the Leviticus passages um, yes they are trying to distinguish Israel from other nations um, but in you know like Leviticus 18 when it's like you know Speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You must not do as they do in Egypt. And so God is actually beginning to say, like, I'm not just saying you should be separate and different. But he's like, don't do as the rest of the world is doing. Um, So he's actually putting out kind of a command for the rest of the world as well, for the Gentiles, which we would all, most of us, find ourselves in that camp now. Um, And so it's more of a universal um, command. And I thought that was a, a really helpful way of going okay so then which ones do continue and which ones don't um but also to yeah. your your point about this chapter 18 is dealing with a lot of a lot of sexual issues um and things mm-hmm. that we would still say today still continue of not you know having sex with uh, a sister or a brother or you know you know your mm-hmm. your father or mother's uh husband or wife um you know all these things that we're going all things to avoid right <laughs> um and it's included in there. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, yeah. I think, I think it's just, it, yeah, it, it, I think there's a,
2: there's a, a long, um, this isn't necessary. This is kind of foreign to the Jewish understanding of, of old Testament or, or Hebrew scriptures. Uh, but, uh, there's a long Christian tradition of understanding, um, Old Testament law as uh, some of it being civil, some of it being ceremonial, some of it being uh, moral law. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there's some merit to that. Um, I also think uh, you know, the the Old Testament law there is usually a root issue that even these like seemingly um, seemingly obscure commandments are actually getting at. Mm. And so um, Christian reflection on this has sort of um, um, offered that some of these specific cultural expressions of moral law can be done away with while the moral law remains. Um, and so I think I think mm. that strikes me as as true. <laughs> mm. um, so, you know, the, the Ten Commandments, I don't think there's any of those that I'm I'm like, we should just sort of get rid of that. Right. Uh, I think those are all pretty good. Um, but there's some, you know, there's some, um, like, like kosher law. I, I I'm not a, a Jewish person who, who, um, is intent on keeping that. Um, I'm, I'm a Gentile. I, I don't think I'm bound to that sort of, um, that kosher law, Right. but the kosher law was, is an expression of something more fundamental yeah.
0: deeper. Yeah.
2: Um, about choose being um, a a chosen people um, that i think is still true (laughs) yeah Um, but even as the superficial things sort of fade away but
0: yeah i mean i think that
2: made any sense i just kind of rambled no
0: it's good
1: and you're in and you're in good company particularly in thinking about the food laws because that's that's also an explicit uh an explicit biblical allowance that we're given by by Christ too when he when he when he reveals to Peter look don't call yeah. don't call unclean what I've what I've what I've made clean not only talking about the 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 grafting in of the Gentiles into this into this story um, but also included in that I mean the like the image that he uses is is food like there's this there's yeah. this tablecloth of 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 yeah. of, of food um, so you know I I I uh, I think that. You know, I I've come to believe that that uh, that bacon cheeseburgers are actually uh, a glorious gift of the gospel, um, explicitly so and, uh, in the scriptures. <laughs> so that's just just and, for me. It's just good for me to
0: know. <laughs> well, it's important. It's important for us to to consider that. Uh, but that's that was that came about to be true because one, Jesus made that very explicitly clear in Acts yeah. um uh, to Peter. But then they had the big debate on, you know, what are these things that do continue which don't continue uh in Acts fifteen at the you know the council of Jerusalem. And I think that's actually a really important passage. We're not gonna jump into today fascinating, but fascinating the
1: sexual immorality is in is in there as one of And these that things and that's that, one
0: that still continues. Yeah. Um and so I think that's yeah. important for us to say like we're not just saying, okay, we're picking and choosing like which ones. I think we're going. What does Scripture affirm continues, and what is it? What is it not? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think you have to be, you almost have to be persuaded when it says it's not continuing. in one of the explicitly yeah. clear places is around food. Um, so yeah, so yeah. Let's 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 jump into to the New Testament. Right, you have something. I have
2: something real quick, but yeah. Yeah. I, I've been reading um, the history. The, the interesting history of the Gentile analogy for gay people as it's been used in the past several decades, notably in, in like Episcopal Church documents. Mm. Um, but one of the difficulties with that Gentile analogy, which is basically that like God did a new thing to bring the Gentiles into the church. Um, therefore, God can do a new thing in bringing uh, gay people who have like sexual relationships into the church. Mm. One of the problems with that is the what you do with kosher law (laughs) in that analogy. Um, So kosher law, um, like there's no category in this debate about same sex sex uh, for a kind of law that is important for some people to follow and not other people to follow. Mm -hmm. But that is precisely what's happening with kosher law in the new Testament. And so, that's one of the, the difficulties um, with mm. that Gentile analogy. I, listen, I love, I love the Gentile analogy used in, in some ways. I know that there's been some speakers at Revoice, for instance, who've mm. drawn on this analogy of uh, Jewish-Gentile relations and mm. uh, gay and straight relations. And I think that can be proved pretty illuminating. But, you know, with every analogy, the analogy breaks down eventually. You just got to find out where it breaks down. So yeah. that's Always. one of the ways it breaks down.
0: <laughs> Absolutely good. right. That's good. All right, well, if you're a um, if you're counting, we we've, we've we've just gone through three uh passages. Uh the Genesis 19, which we won't consider part of the 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 canon of these uh <laughs> uh we we're, we're, we 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 there's really five verses that we will we'll, we'll cover. Um and we're 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 two of the five uh through now. Um and so now we're we're jumping in the New Testament and if you are um, someone who says these the New Testament and Old Testament are so separate, um, I don't care what the Old Testament says. Uh, one, I would say you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, there is one story being written together. Um, yep. But two, uh, let's say that's where you find yourself, and that's for a different podcast. Um, let's now look at the New Testament's um, arguments around this. And the, those, those, the, the first one I want to look at is the Romans passage that... Um, if you've had even begun this discussion on some level, you've heard it quoted before. So let, let me let me read it to us and then um, hear what you, uh, you have to say there, Grant. Uh, so this is from Romans 1, uh, verse 26 to 27. Because of this... Um, should I go in context and read the whole thing? Nah,
1: <laughs> it's <that's> fine. <laughs> we'll, we'll refer to it in the conversation, likely. So. Okay.
0: Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones... In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Um, So, um, is this another one that we can... uh, We can... Ignore. Um. <laughs> like You're framing of these questions. So interesting. <laughs> I'm looking for ways around it. We're
1: not ignoring any of these texts.
0: <laughs> Grant, yeah. give me the license. Go. Um, How do you well, understand that so message?
2: Interesting. Yeah. Interestingly, this is the only reference in scripture to female homosexuality. No. Um, so all the rest are about, or um, primarily about male homosexuality.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, it's in the context of this long sort of diatribe uh, by Paul. Um, sort of, <laughs> he's, he's doing some heavy moralizing, saying like, don't you look around, don't you see all this sin that's happening? <laughs> and he's listing a bunch of sin. Um, And he's tracing it all back to idolatry. Uh, And he uses the word... uh, He refers to this concept of nature Mm -hmm. uh, to talk about um, why same-sex sex sex, um, is wrong. Mm -hmm. I think there's a a couple... um, Paul uses the word nature in an interesting way. Yeah. um, uh, Because he's not a... (laughs) He's not above using using nature, the word nature, to make really cultural arguments
3: mm-hmm.
2: about <laughs> the length of hair, hair. Mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. instance. Yep. Um, uh, now, we can we can say now that we think that that clearly has to be a cultural <laughs> argument. I'm not sure what Paul sort of thought of that. Um, I think he's making a case on how life should be. Uh, and so. Um, Maybe maybe for him, they were all sort of a part of the same cloth, like not having same-sex sex and men having short hair. But uh, for us, we can sort of see a difference there. Uh, he also uses the word nature in a positive way to talk about the Gentiles being grafted into Israel. Um, so the word nature is kind of uh, confused. I tend to... Uh, I mean, I'm reading this as a Catholic, so I'm thinking of the category of natural law, mm. um, which isn't necessarily mm-hmm. what Paul exactly was thinking of. This is later Christian reflection. But I think something, something kind of analogous is happening here. Uh, Paul is talking about how life should be the proper order for life. Um, and same sex sex for him falls short of that just as you know exchanging uh, the the proper order of of animals and created things and god and our worship is wrong exchanging the proper ordering of sexual relations is wrong for paul so that's that's what i see happening there yeah um i also think paul definitely didn't know that that Homosexuality is present in the animal worlds. <laughs>
3: mm.
2: <laughs> um, he he probably didn't know that. He probably assumed that there wasn't any same sex sex in the animal world. So um, uh, he he might have, but I, that's my my general take. Because he probably didn't recognize that. He might have had something to say about that if we brought that up for him. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But importantly, the the concept of natural law is not about what happens in nature. It's about. Um, It's about how life should be, which is accessible to the idea, which is accessible to human beings through natural reason without divine revelation. So that's what natural law means. It's not like the law of nature.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, We should really come up with a better phrase for natural law. (laughs) It's (laughs) it's very confusing. But the law of nature is different than natural law. So that's sort of what I think Paul's, Paul's getting at here.
0: Yeah and i but i i think what you you touched on there with um the long hair reference um i i mean i to me this is where i think some of the uh, affirming scholars arguments um i'm like well i can see how you got there um because you know as you said that first corinthians i think 11:14 um says does not the very nature mm-hmm. of things teach you that if a man has long hair it's a disgrace to him um and, and that word there is a you know, there's the nature again, but also the word disgrace. I think is also the same word that he Paul uses here about it being dishonorable, shameful, um, mm-hmm. or shameful, and that's the Greek word atumia. Um, and so you could say, okay, so is is it just a cultural thing? Um, and this is where I'm like, I can see how if you're coming from one position, why you go, okay, this is all just cultural. Um,
3: mm-hmm.
0: But um, Paul does root some of this. Um, I mean when we talk about, you know, the kind of, he roots a lot of this in creation as well. And that's where you're like, okay, maybe it's not cultural. (laughs) Um, I just, I, 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 and then someone, I, I, that's just something that I, I I, I can see the the argument. Um, One, one person put out the, the, the argument that said, you know, this is a prefabricated argument that Paul has given kind of like when Jesus says, you've heard it said, but I tell you, and that's, uh, that's their argument Mm. to why they, they um, kind of, say this isn't applicable this is you've heard it said but i tell you um to which i i don't hear paul debunking like he he's he doesn't doesn't say it that's that's a specific formula um right and he doesn't really debunk that but
2: it does form a part of his sort of larger argument he's he's setting his audience up because he's saying like look at all this these things that Gentiles uh <laughs> and the audience is supposed to go yeah, yeah that's gross yeah yeah and he, <laughs> then he turns it on them uh, which i think is i think is good i i like I, I think that's that's true um or it can be true yeah but i don't yeah i don't see that as sort of getting getting rid of the the force of his his moralizing there yeah but.
1: yeah yeah, because he's, yeah, he's like he's like, you're you're right in that all that stuff that they're doing is wrong. But that then also compounds your own guilt because rec- like look at look at yourself. Yeah. Oh, those same things are present here. So in so in both of those sorry, I was moving away from the mic. Uh, so so in but in but in but in both of those, what I mean what binds what also what binds them together though, that moralizing kind of still 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 continues in both it's yeah look at all that sin around you and you're like ah, rah, rah, rah. hey also though like look at you though that that same sin is right there yeah everybody we're we're yeah. we, we 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 all stand we all stand stand in in opposite it, naturally i say i say naturally but i i mean that you know post fall and all this kind of stuff <laughs> in opposition careful and i know i know right i we're gonna do i know i know this is this
2: is what uh everyone's is, gonna be rethinking every time they say natural i know right exactly <laughs> what does that mean? no no
1: i know well and like and this is you know um uh, uh uh oh gosh um calvin does this in uh, bondage and liberation of the will because one of the things that he constantly gets accused of is saying that you know that human beings are 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 like by their very substance evil and he and, and he and it's, and it's in that text that he uses the arrest the the aristotelian distinction between substance and accident and he's, and, and 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 does that to say that like sin is accidentally yeah. is, is 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 accidentally attached to us but all that's to say um uh, the 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 that 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 opposition to the lord is something that all of us find ourselves in that in that position and mm-hmm. thus and thus in need of in need of Christ. Um but yeah.
2: Yeah. I also think um this is this is something that sort of underscores maybe everything I'm saying um or or frames everything I'm saying but like what specifically in view in this passage is same sex sex not being gay. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: so like being gay is such a a broader category than having same sex sex. Um, Being gay is a a sort of stable thing. That's always true about me. Same sex sex is something that can be true of me in certain moments, Hmm. but is most of the time not true of me. Yeah. Um, And there's also sort of cultural dimensions of, uh, of um, what being gay means. We'll probably get into this more when we talk about Malakoi. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. those, those cultural dimensions of being gay are not what the Bible is talking about at all because those cultural assumptions didn't actually exist because the word gay wasn't used until almost 2000 years later. <laughs> uh, so yeah,
0: yeah, I don't know. Just a, a side note there. But. Yeah, it's good. And to, to go back to kind of the kind of maybe put a, a bow on this, the end of Romans one goes on. And so like if if the this saying that this is the what the wrath of God is, that he gave them over um to these um these things. Mm-hmm. Um if if we're saying these things are, are are cultural, um, well, then Paul is going to debunk them later, right? Um, but then the end of Romans one, I mean it goes into they become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. This is verse 29 you're following at home they're full of envy Mm -hmm. murder strife deceit and malice they're gossips slanders god haters insolent arrogant boastful um like these are things that paul is not gonna um yeah say you know right away of saying like no no no. but now you're good um go ahead and and be envious and murderous and, and greedy um no like these are it's all in the same context here um, and so I think we have to deal with that, that context when we talk about this.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think some of the most, um, the, some of the arguments, affirming arguments that make the most sense to me, um, I don't agree with them, but I think they, I feel their force and I, I think I respect them the most Yeah, are, are along the lines of Paul believes this clearly, mm. but we don't have to agree with him. Hmm. Like that, that strikes me as, um, that strikes me as a different, an argument I I might be willing to entertain if I didn't believe that, you know, Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit Mm. and wrote inspired scripture, you know? Yep. So yeah. If, if Paul, for instance, didn't know that same sex sex is present in, in the natural world, like, should we trust him when it comes to what is natural?
3: Yeah. Um,
2: if, if later thinking about natural law, isn't what Paul is thinking about, should we read that into what, you know, those sorts of questions are, I think, yeah. are very fair. But.
0: So good. That just shows you how complex this whole thing is, because it's not just um, hermeneutics uh, that we have to think through of like how we read scripture, but it's also just our understanding of, uh, you know, the inspiration of the Bible and like our trust of its authority. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's like, man, all of this has to be kind of held together as we discuss it all, which I think should humble us to give us grace for as people are wrestling through this. Cause you're like, yeah, that's a lot to to wade through. And it's, and it
1: is, it is also, it is also interesting what you, what you, what you just said, Grant. And I think, and this is, this is something that I have, uh, I'm in, I'm encouraged when I, when I read, uh, when I, and, and w- when I, when I read affirming, uh, affirming scholars who who may, who, who say this, where they, where they say, well, yeah, I mean like the, all of these scriptures do seem to do kind of unequivocally say mm-hmm. that, say, that same sex sexual activity is out, is outside of the will of God. But if we're, mm-hmm. but like our, but so, so then, so then disagreement with, with that really is not saying the Bible doesn't say this. It's just saying that the Bible is wrong in saying this, which is a different, it's a different, mm-hmm. different it's a different kind of, it's a different kind of claim. Yeah. Um, but, but, but I think that, but, but I value that, especially that, that honesty, yep. um, because, um, yeah, because because oh, go 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 ahead go ahead go ahead.
2: Well, to a certain extent, we all do it. Oh yeah. Like, mm. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not going to read that that passage where Paul says it's shameful for a man to have long hair and think, you know, that that stands firm in my mind as as an eternal. Kind of unchanging law.
0: I mean, as three bald men, we're okay with that. Three
2: bald, yeah. (laughs) As
1: (laughs) as the three bald men on this on this podcast. (laughs) Yeah,
2: don't get me wrong. I wish I had long hair. I really (laughs) do. But yeah, yeah. I think you can say uh, there's even room in my mind to say that like Paul was clearly mistaken on something, Mm -hmm. uh, without saying that he's like totally not. not i think there's so many shades and and different ways of approaching that question yeah so i don't i don't sort of want to throw people who who disagree with paul here under the bus um but yeah i don't know it is really complicated yeah and i don't know if i would get along with paul but um but (laughs) yeah i'm wrestling with what he says here i'm trying to i better not see him in heaven (laughs) oh man by that
1: time but see when when we see him in heaven though he'll He'll be perfectly, he'll be, he'll be perfectly (laughs) sanctified as will, as will we. So we'll be
2: chilled out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He'll be chilled out a little bit. Right. (laughs) I'll probably be chilled out a little bit too. Oh my gosh. Maybe. We'll see. Um, We'll see. We'll find out. We'll ask him when we meet him.
0: Speaking of Paul, <laughs> let's let's go to the uh, the the next two. Let's do them together. Um, the next two passages, um, because uh, these two have gotten a lot of a uh, uh, lot of mileage uh, and mm-hmm. disagreement from from folks uh, in the affirming camp. So, um, 1 Corinthians six nine and 1 Timothy 1.10 are the two that we're looking at. So, first First Corinthians six nine says, "Or do you not know that the wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God?" Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, moral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men. Um, and then in uh, verse 10 of First Timothy 1 says, For the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders and liars and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine. Um, and so these are the two passages um, that people have lots of... Um, lots of ink spilt on um, and, and important to, for us to talk about. Cause there's only a few passages that actually do talk about these things. And so uh, what, what's, what's your take here? Um, let's, let's, let's look at the first Corinthians uh, six passage first.
2: Yeah. Um, so the, the, that phrase, what'd you say? Was it men who have sex with men was how it was translated mm-hmm. uh, in, in the version you read. Yeah. Um, it translates two words. Uh, arsenicoite and Malakoi. Yeah, uh, and then uh, later on, uh, the First Timothy passage also uses arsenicoite. Um, arsenicoite is an interesting word because it really seems likely that Paul made it up. It's the first time we have that word ever. Um, so, uh, it seems that. to be made up of two other words. <laughs> Um, the the Greek word for man and the Greek word for bed. Um, so some, some man bed. Um, some, yeah man <laughs> man bedders. Man bedders. Um, so yeah, the I I, I think uh, more traditional or conservative commentators have suggested that Paul is referencing the Septuagint version of Leviticus. Mm. Uh, which seems really likely to me. I think we do have to be really careful because compound words don't always mean what each of their parts mean. Think of the word butterfly; <laughs> um, it, it doesn't mean flying butter. Uh, <laughs> so
1: that's
3: true. <laughs> um, you heard it here first, everybody. <laughs> so you be careful. Um,
2: but yeah, so it's not for certain. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think there's. Uh, i i remember seeing this somewhere but you know citation citation needed uh another similar word that was used at the same time that definitely did refer to same sex sex was uh mm-hmm. which is basically the same thing um a case could be made <laughs> i'm just saying
3: mm.
2: a case could be made um, that it's the same arsenokoitai probably has something to do with um same sex sex and it's almost definitely shaped by the kind of same-sex sex sex that Paul was most familiar with, which is prostitution and pederasty. Um, But interestingly, Paul doesn't use um, the specific Greek words that would be used to describe passive and active partners in a pederastic relationship. Mm -hmm. There are words for that, and Paul chooses not to use those. Paul chooses to use this word, which he makes up. So. Yeah, I think I find the, the argument that he's, he's referring to the Septuagint to be pretty persuasive. Hmm. Um, but I can understand why someone would not, not buy that so easily.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the, um, the common um, objection that I've heard, and we've even heard, um, you know, when people we've talked to about this, uh, whenever we refer to the 1 Corinthians 6 or 1 Timothy 1 passage, anytime we're referring to Paul's um, understanding of People who um, same-sex attraction or gay, lesbian, is that he doesn't have a framework for a healthy uh, homosexual relationship in his mind. Um, he is referring to, uh, as you said, um, something more um, abusive because there was it was common in the day um, for there to be abusive relationships where men would would take on a, a boy um, and have a you know this sort of, you know um, what what was the word there. Um, talking
1: about pederasty. Yes.
0: Yeah, when we yeah. We talk about you know pedophilia and things like this. This is like so there is there is there there are relationships like that that are that are common in that day. Um, um and describing that erotic, you uh, know, love of children. Um, mm-hmm. why is that not convincing that that that's Paul's view of what's happening here and that's what he's condemning? Not not a not a what we might see today that someone you might know who has more of a um, mutual um, relationship with, with, with one another.
2: Yeah, I mean, the main, the main argument, um, or the main reason that doesn't make sense to me as, as a completely um, a, a complete answer is that there are words that Paul would have known that could have referred to heterasty. Yeah. Yeah. He chose not to use them. Yeah. Um, but also I think, you know, heterasty and prostitution were the most well-known forms of same-sex uh, sex, but you know, same-sex sexual relationships that were between um, rough equals weren't unheard of. Um, there were there were some of those. You know, um, Greek Greek culture had a high esteem for male same-sex love.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so I, I don't think that Paul is completely in the dark. But I, I do think there are some yeah. cultural factors that he's probably. Um, He's probably focusing on, and importantly, his audience, this is something else a friend pointed out to me, Mm -hmm. um, but much of his audience would be people who could not refuse sex. Mm -hmm. Um, Women, um, slaves, Mm. uh, children, uh, and so Paul's Paul's speaking here would seem kind of liberatory for them. Mm. Um, If you're living in a culture where like if sex, if sex is presented to you, you don't have any choice Mm. in the matter. I Mm. think um, Paul sort of raging against that seems, seems really just, Mm. but
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think early on when I was, Kind of going like all right let me let's rethink these things let's <laughs> let's is this is this legit because if that's true like that's a pretty compelling argument um but I do think the 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 history has shown as you said um, one he there were words he could have used, but two the history has shown that there are uh examples uh in in art in literature um, um, painted on vases of um you know mutual mm-hmm. same sex relationships mm-hmm. um um, that were that happening there, to where I I it seems like it, it now we are reading back into the the Bible what we kind of want it to say is what kind of where I I I'm, I was saying before I was like that seems like an argument from silence but it's almost not even an argument from silence anymore if we look at what's actually happening um, going on in history there. As
1: a as a as a side note, this is something that ends up in my reflection whenever some whenever some of these arguments pop up, specifically the argument that like Paul was um, Paul was unaware of kind of the of the possibility of same sex sex between between kind of equals. My um, thing is also like we don't uh, uh we 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 human beings are very creative uh about their uh sexual lives so like there are, there are, there are very few uh they're basically basically to say that to say that he was unaware of this possibility i mean like we didn't like make it up mm. like this is something that people mm. have been doing like people have been doing it for a while like not just in yeah. not just not just in paul's day but like in just in human soci- in human society the um uh and so like so and this and this goes back to kind of some of i mean some of the other some of the other texts that we've that we've talked about to to understand that as a as a more as a more general as a more general statement about sexual activity rather than one that's just reduced to these particular contexts um it seems to it seems to make at least at least to me it seems to make more it seems to make more sense in that in that context yeah. um because and also like in the and and you know, and it's and, and it's interesting as we just talked about Romans that 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 that, that, that that's the only that that's the only instance where um, where 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 female same same sex sexual activity is 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 referred to, um, but but I think there's a way to understand even the text that we've been talking about as um, as as more as more general. Um, and perhaps speaking to something, and perhaps speaking to something deeper. But we may get to that. We may we may get to that later. But
0: that's good. That's good. Um, well, th- those are kind of the the main five that that people refer to. Plus one. Um, uh, and but I want to ask you: Is is there other places granted? Oh. Go ahead. Well, there's... oh, you are freezing?
2: There's one more word there. Uh, six nine mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Hear me now.
1: Yeah. There you go. You're, you're you're here. Let's talk. Let's talk about Malakoy.
2: Perfect.
3: Um. Yeah.
2: In, in that first nine, um, called uh, Malloy, and Malacoy just means soft. Mm-hmm. Um, so it often gets translated as effeminate. Mm. Um, I think that what Paul has in mind here, um, based on how that word is used elsewhere, I mean, it's used of like fabric. It's it's basically like a, a really similar word to our English, soft. Mm. But I think the idea is moral softness, mm. moral uh, And so... Um, men who have who would have a lot of sex with women could be Hmm. so it's this idea that like Hmm. you're too drawn to drawn to the essential. um so extreme sex on the brain is sort of what that means um so i don't think that has anything specifically to do with same-sex sex sex, but Hmm. it it could um you know there could be um some of that in mind Hmm. but Yeah. yeah it's
0: it's not a slam dunk for me. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And this is where I just think it's so helpful for people to, um, to know the Greek, uh, to know translations, to know all translations are an interpretation. Um, and so trying to make sure we understand these things to get a better picture, a fuller picture. Um, and I think most translations are doing their best to understand this. Um, mm-hmm. But we also know that some of them are coming with preconceived mm-hmm. ideas themselves um so um well where else yeah. where else would you look grant uh if you uh you um maybe you have and you're like where else what you know Would i go to to help me understand this whole um discussion a little bit better uh, that are outside of these kind of typical verses is there um one or two other places that you you would look that aren't necessarily explicitly talking about um, same-sex attraction uh, homosexuality
2: Yeah, I think um, g- the general narrative arc of Scripture, um, Genesis to Revelation, where the the theme of uh, uh, opposite sex uh, love as being symbolic, has always been really um, weighty for me. Hmm. And so that plays out in, in Genesis one and two, um, the creation accounts. Hmm. Um, so in one of the in one of the creation accounts, God um, creates. Men and women at the same time, and he says, "Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth." Uh, and so that sort of, for me, connects to the idea of sort of a biological complementarity, uh, uh, the a high value for procreation. Uh, and then in in Genesis two, um, God says, "It's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to make a helper. Uh, helper is not a subservient thing. Mm-hmm. Helper." Uh, the Holy Spirit is a father, So, this isn't a. Um, I think what of the early church fathers said, you know, Eve is taken from Adam's rib, not his head or his feet. Uh, so, <laughs> like, they're equals. Mm. Um, but that, that idea that the human being is split into male and female, mm. uh, and so the logic is that those pieces come back together. Um, it actually a, a story in the symposium. Uh, which I'm not sure that we can, we can take seriously. It might be sort of a a tongue in cheek kind of funny story, but one of the speakers tells a story about how human beings used to have eight legs and two heads, one on the front, one on the back. And the gods were like, Whoa, they're too powerful. So we've got to split them in half. (laughs) And so everyone always is looking for the other half, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But in that story we had, uh, In that story in the symposium, there were male-male pairs that were split. There were female-female pairs that were split. And there was male-female pairs that were split.
3: Mm. Uh,
2: But in this passage, we just have male and female. Mm. So the logic there, seems it strikes me as as persuasive, that male and female um, in marriage um, are a kind of ideal Mm. uh, in marriage. yeah, and then uh, another passage I think of, um, I think you, you mentioned it when we were talking about this, um, emailing back and forth about this, but Matthew twenty two thirty, 30, um, um, Jesus basically is confronted with marriage. Uh, a group of religious leaders say, like, there's this woman who's been married seven different times. Who's her husband's husband going to be in the resurrection? And their point is to say, like, isn't the, the resurrection ridiculous? Um, but Jesus says uh, that in the resurrection, you will neither marry nor begin marriage. You'll be like the angels in heaven. Mm. So for me, this does a few things. It connects. Uh, it, it says that marriage is temporary. So marriage is eventually done away with in the resurrection. Mm-hmm. It says that celibacy is is important and good, which mm. was um, kind of a radical thing to say at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. The root for celibacy uh, comes from the same root as uh, celestial. Mm-hmm. So uh, celibacy is the heavenly life. It's the angelic life.
0: That's good.
2: Um, but also it connects marriage to, uh, to death. So mm-hmm. in the resurrection, there's no more death. So there's no more marriage, which means mm. that marriage is connected to procreation. Mm. Uh, so, <laughs> So there's no need for procreation when there's no more death. Mm. So that, that sort of interconnect all those meanings really for mm. me stress the connection between opposite sex marriage, procreation uh, and you know sort of sexual sexual sin. they sort of make mm. all that kind of clear for me. that mm. those are the, the passages other passages that um, come to mind. but also, I gotta say like. A lot of my, my sexual ethics come from Catholic natural law arguments, hmm. um, arguments about the fittingness of, of um, biological sex, um, um, and a lot of like centuries of Catholic reflection on, on these topics. So yeah. even if those cholera passages were totally removed from the Bible, I'm not sure that my position or the Catholic the Catholic church's position would change. Mm. Um, yeah. I don't think my sexual ethics really rest there, mm. but
3: yeah,
1: it's good. And that's, and that's, and that's helpful. I mean, when we think about, I mean, for a lot of, a lot of the things that we think through at least, and I say this as somebody who is yes, Protestant, but also deeply, but also deeply sympathetic, especially to some, to, to, to of my Eastern Eastern brothers and sisters. Um, I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I still think the most, I think the most compelling account of, um, of salvation is the, is the, is the account of deification and theosis. Um, but, um, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. but, yes. but the, it's right. It's just, it's great, man. Um, but, but, but the, it's good. It's, it's so good. Uh, but, um, but the, but the interaction of particularly, uh, scripture and tradition on some of these, on some of these points, um, is it can be, you know, I mean, there are there are some there are some there are some there are some conversations that we can have with 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 elements of our tradition, but there are some but there are some profoundly there are there are some profoundly helpful things mm-hmm. that we can get when we investigate the the two thousand years of folks who have thought who have who have who have thought deeply about these things and 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 also kind of worked them out with it, within the community within the community of faith. So, yeah. um so, yeah
0: yeah, I mean I, one of the things that I think um kind of as we we kind of look at, kind of take a step back and go, okay, so considering all of these passages, um you now, what do we think um, and I think what's clear for me is without a doubt all all five are are condemning it in some way, um. And then someone might condemning
1: it, uh, it as in what, son?
0: Condemning uh what is <laughs> <laughs> that's important. What is the so what important. is the it? What is the it that you. we're talking about here? Thank you. <laughs> condemning homosexual acts, uh same sex outside of a Same marriage. sex sexual activity. Thank you. <laughs> um, um and it, without 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 uh, uh qualifier, there it, it, it is condemning of this. Um and I think to me, I think that's where I from when we when we switched our view on women in leadership um that was something that um, one thing that was really helpful for me was yeah i had to wrestle with first Timothy 2 and in, in some of these passages um but all throughout there were these passages, um, you know, like Acts 2, where sons and daughters were prophesying. And, um, you know, you had Deborah, and you had Phoebe, and you had all these women leading, and this is what Scott McKnight calls these blue parakeet passages, um, that these 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 blue parakeets <laughs> that just stand out, and you're like, what are they doing there? I don't know what to do with them. I, they don't fit into my framework. And so even if you explained all of these passages away, as um, I'm trying to do my best to articulate the affirming arguments... They, a negation is still not an endorsement um and and i think there are zero passages here in the scriptures that would would endorse a same sexual ethic um and I, it's clear god cares about our sexual ethic um he's care, he cares enough about it that he's willing to show us what he wants best for us to flourish um but i think that that's something that i've i've, I've that was always important for my understanding when we talk about women and leadership but now as we talk about this this conversation of like but i'm not seeing that the other that same argument there um and if there was there then that would those yeah. be blue parakeets they'd be you know bright and shiny we'd be able to go okay what do we do with that
1: i i think one yeah. of the and and grant i i if we if we had more time i would i'd i'd love to dig into this a little a little more too but um I I I wanted to be very clear about the about the about the it. Mm. Um thank because you, thank you because me. because when people think about when people hear the made up term hom- homosexuality particularly, yeah. they'll they'll there's there's a there's a d the what what people will what people will do sloppily is they will say that this is a that the that the scriptures that we read are blanket condemnations of people who have a particular sexual orientation. Mm. And that's, and that's not what any of these that's not what any of these texts are about. These texts are these texts are about same-sex mm. sexual activity. But that also that also opens up a conversation that and I and I think this is something this is something that Grant has also spent some time talking about. Like gay people actually have a per, a a like like have, have particular things to actually add to the church. Mm. Like, like, like you, 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 you are, you are, you are valuable. The Lord has actually placed you in the place, placed you in the church for a particular reason to serve it in a particular way to bear witness to the rest of your brothers and sisters particular things. Um, and, and if these, if these texts were about <laughs> like, if, if we constructed the it differently, mm. then I wouldn't be able to make that claim. But I can, because, because what that it is, yeah. is same sex sexual activity um and so um and you know and i i, I mean I, another time we can have the conversation about like hey like what like what might those what might those particulars look like but i, yeah, but, I but i but i but i but i at least want to be clear at least in this context mm-hmm. that that that's that that's one of the mm-hmm. things that 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 i think we that i think we ought to affirm mm-hmm. loudly and wholeheartedly yeah
2: yeah i also think this this might get me into hot water that's all right Let's, um, do it, Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Um, among certain certain folks, but I think that we we have to construct the it carefully, and mm. the it that we've been discussing is same sex sex. The it is not gay people. Yep. The it is also not same sex relationships.
3: Because
2: mm-hmm. because there are like I, it is. It is by no means common, but I, I know people who are in committed covenantal relationships with a person of the same sex mm. that are not sexual mm-hmm. and that are important in their lives and that are sanctifying and I'm, I'm blessed by their ministry. Yeah. But that, that also allows us to say that same-sex couples, whether they, are, are, um, they affirm a, a traditional sexual ethic or they have a more progressive sexual ethic, they, like, their relationship can be good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, they can have a good relationship. And we might still say that one, like, same-sex sex is sin. I think we have, we have to have, um, we have to be alive to distinctions, mm-hmm. and we have to be able to make those distinctions well. Um, because we live in a very complicated world, and I'm not comfortable with saying that, like, a bunch of people who have, have partners, just constantly living in sin Hmm. because they're not like and and you might benefit from their witness and you might benefit from their hospitality and their Hmm. love for each other and all those things are good so Hmm. yeah talking about this is not talking about um how gay people who have sex are all bad (laughs) (laughs) that's just not what we're doing but
3: yeah yeah just to be
2: clear like yes i love all gay people i'm on all gay people's side that's what i'm trying to be but
0: yeah yeah Amen. I mean, I want. I think yes. I want to affirm yeah. all of that. That there should be no debate uh, about whether game uh, same sex attract people should be accepted into the church as full citizens of the kingdom. Um, and so we we want to mm-hmm. wholesale mm-hmm. endorse that. Um, we we are we are trying to we are trying to uh, read and understand these scriptures uh, about this specific sexual ethic and ask what is the Lord asking of us um, about you know what mm-hmm. is it to to flourish in these ways um and so what is he calling people to not just um who but what's he calling us to what's he calling us to pursue and things like that so whew, yeah, good stuff good stuff um that, i feel like there's still like a hundred more things i want to ask Always. um but we've been going for a long time <laughs> um, uh, <That's> so, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um let's see though Yeah. Let's just, let's just, let's just kind of pause for now. Um, I I have a feeling we might have to,
1: we can do a part two in like a month or so. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Do a part two and bring you back. Um, but just for our, someone who's maybe new to this conversation, is there, um, is there a, a book, an article or resource, um, that you would encourage someone to, to reach out for, um, to delve deeper into this topic?
2: Yeah, I mean, I would encourage anyone to crack open a few old-fashioned commentaries hmm. and scholarly works on the passages in question. But um, I uh, wrote my article on Sodom and Gomorrah uh, as a part of a, a collection of um, articles on the Outreach website. Uh, I think it's outreach.faith. Um now, there's a, a bunch of the, the articles that the authors have very different perspectives than I do. Sure. Uh, but that's where you're going to have some really robust uh, affirming arguments that you can engage with. Sweet. Um, and, you know, several of the things that they say, um, I also would agree with. It's just we sort of come to different conclusions. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I, I think one of the articles I remember that was important to me is that I got that point about. Um, there being words for pederasty that Paul doesn't use. Uh, Ron Belgau wrote an article for Spiritual Friendship. Mm. Uh, it's a, a blog yeah. that's not, no longer active, but there's an archive there, and there's plenty of articles that are written, and they're, they're quite academic. Um, so that would be a good place to, cool. to look. Um, yeah, those are, those are some of the places. That's
0: great. That's great. And if, uh, uh, some of our people are like, no, but well, I want to hear more from, from you, Grant. Uh, what do you have going on oh, God, on I'm horizon dry. where, <laughs> <laughs> where, where can people hear or see you? Yeah,
2: I write, uh, sporadically for various outlets, but I write regularly for my substack. Uh, the Grant Hartley is my substack, um, yeah, like I think you mentioned earlier, there's a um, uh, article I wrote for the Outreach Conference on the Clobber Postages that you can you can yeah. look up. Yeah, um, I stand by most of what I said. <laughs> I, oh, that's great. That's great. For better or worse, I'm still on Twitter. I refuse to call it uh-huh. X. Uh-huh. So no, why you would we on Twitter? It's Twitter. The <laughs> <see> Grant Hartley. <laughs> the, that's
0: the this is the rebellion. Um, I wrote an article. <laughs>
2: Um, I wrote an article on my conversion for America magazine several years ago. I think it's called how one gay Southern Baptist found himself drawn into the Catholic church. And that sets up the context for a lot of, a lot of my work. Mm. Um, So any of those places you can
0: follow me. Okay. That's awesome. That's great. Um, Well, we deeply, deeply um, are thankful for your time, for your, uh, wisdom and expertise, uh, and just just to to explore this with us. Thanks, man.
2: Yeah, thanks so much for
0: having me. This was fun.
1: Well, and we and we look forward <laughs> to especially. I mean, and this it came up, you know, at the very end of this of this conversation. But one of the things that w- one of the things that I think this draws us into the conversation that this draw that this draws us into as we talk about sexuality and then later uh, gender identity and things like that. It it. It reminds particularly the church that we are to bear witness to the world um a uh, I mean in some ways a different understanding of human of human intimacy. Mm. Um while while there is a particular sexual ethic that we I mean the I think the Christians have always been seen as weird because of our sexual ethic. Um mm. and and but but one of the but one of the things that that, that that points to is god is calling us into different into different kinds of relationships with one another and and a different relationship with him and those and those things are actually greater than what we can can what we than what we can imagine mm. um, and so if we can if we can get to the point where our communities are bearing witness to an to an understanding of friendship that is that is deeper and more profound than than can be offered elsewhere and also a deeper relationship with god once again it goes back to the theosis and deification thing that that is that is that is that is that's is, that is much more profound than your than your wildest imaginations mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing that if that if we can show the world that and then they see it and they're like oh how can we get in on that to which our response is repent and believe <laughs> um and, mm-hmm. and 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 i think that's a i think i think this can be this can be a tremendous opportunity for us but that only but that also only comes if we if we if we walk that path with both repentance and, and humility understanding mm-hmm. that um mm-hmm. understanding that there have been a number of ways in which we failed we failed to do that and so we look to do it so so we look to do it better on an on a daily basis yeah
0: well uh i I've learned a lot from you already in the, this short amount of time. Uh, I know our people uh, will and uh, will continue to learn if they, uh, they go check you out on some of those um, uh, avenues. Uh, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Really do appreciate it. And uh, yes, I, I, I think we will probably have to reach out to you again if you're have the time. I'd love it. Wonderful.
1: Awesome. Thanks Grant.
3: All right, Grant. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, we're going to continue and finish this up, Malcolm. Ah, yep. This, yep, yep, this, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> this is so good. I'm so glad time, we're doing man. this. It's a good time. Uh, I, I. I just feel like there's so much to, to unpack and unwind, but we are almost at two hours on this podcast. I mean, um, so <laughs> it's like an, it was
1: like an hour. Well, oh yeah, I don't know how much intro material I may have you gone had for like
0: forty-five minutes. I don't <laughs> uh, know. See, uh, you
1: get Slim alone with the mic, and he'll just, i was just like talking r- to himself. Just talks to himself.
0: What do I want to talk about? Hours,
1: of fun hours. Oh gosh.
0: Okay, that uh, was good, man. Good quality stuff. Yeah. Well, how about this? Let's just p- play this movie. A uh, movie, music. Thanks so much for joining in with us uh, on Theology and Pieces podcast. If you do uh, want to interact and ask questions, uh, give helpful feedback, pushback, um, like we read earlier, um, write in at hello at theologyinpieces.com. Uh, we would love to interact with you. Um, if there's some big, big questions, we're going to have a, a Q&A episode at the end of all of, of this series. Uh, and so we are um, going to uh, try to k- keep all those together our next guest is going to be Eve Tushnet uh, and we're going to look and and talk with her about what Malcolm a little bit more in there about what does it look like to actually uh, uh, partner and be friends with one another um, and to to grow deeper so um, y'all love it love it love it love it Um, if you have yet to write a review come on people uh, give us a review bring it on bring it on we see those numbers come on we see those numbers (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we love it thanks y'all for coming See y'all. See y'all.